0: relax those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high this is grown local with billy wayne davis and mike McGowan. god i love oh it's
1: so good it's
2: good no it's just good
3: sorry that's never gonna if that gets older you guys aren't listening uh, it's all the right vibes for a cannabis podcast we're teaching and learning this is another good one you guys we're gonna get straight to it uh it's a good episode it's we calling it part two because what happened is evan was like you need to talk to these dudes and while we were there one of the dudes they mentioned and i think everyone's mentioned him that we've talked to so far uh passed away and we're gonna do an episode about him coming up uh we just want to get everyone we want to talk to everyone about him first but uh so evan was like it's just a weird week you guys came up here that this happened (laughs) and we're like yeah that is weird because we had someone trying to get us uh, to talk to him too and uh but they were just they were they went and did a brunch and they're like we can talk to you on sunday after the brunch if that's okay and we were like yeah man anything we would love to talk to you guys so they were very very nice with their time uh it's a wonderful wonderful interview it's one of my favorite we've done i know i said that about all it but i got you know Mm -hmm. not a lot of favorite kids (laughs) you know
2: what I mean? <laughs> but they're just so well for so many different own unique reasons i mean the last episode you heard evan just you know talking about how they did it from the grassroots but then now you got the the thinking crew you got the crew dudes that put into action all together waxing poetically about the good old days and how they made it happen and it's just chef's kiss it was
3: since it was just inspiring and and just cool to be around those dudes they're real chill dudes too uh you'll you'll see do the thing
2: ladies and gentlemen give it up for evan and the boys
3: yeah that's uh guys thank you so much for being here on a sunday uh they i don't know if you guys know denver but they had to go do brunch or they get kicked out of town. You don't get to do business anymore in Denver where you have to do Sunday brunch, am I wrong about that? But
4: I mean, this is honestly the first brunch I've been to in <laughs> quite a while, but I mean, I think it is certainly becoming a, an increasingly popular thing. and. Quite frankly, I think that's a good thing. I'm not against brunch. Yeah. I liked it. I didn't mean to come across as, as, as <laughs> accusing you of being anti-brunch. I did come on strong, but like it was a, like I, I did. Just, I, just I just didn't. I just didn't want to be accused myself of being anti-brunch. So I felt like it I is, felt like I was doing the, like what you're supposed to do now. Like I like you know confronted it and wanted to <laughs> ensure that you know you knew it was not okay to necessarily make it seem like you're against brunch. I, I think it is important <laughs> to <laughs> let everyone know where you stand about everything at this point. Oh man, you
3: guys um we talked to Evan this this earlier this week and just you could tell it was tip of the iceberg and we we're like can we just want to talk to more of you guys on the and he was like oh I can yeah I'll get the guys you were
4: like I can't trust anything this guy's saying right now we, <laughs> well, need, I mean, we need we need someone to back the story up because this, this sounds podcast. insane
3: podcast so we halfway trust everything yeah. everyone says <laughs> yeah. so that's um, healthy yeah and everyone speaks in a weird code and their code is different than the other people we just talked to so it's a real fun lingo thing that i'm learning it's mostly me just shutting up and listening to stories but yeah your story your guys' story is i don't it's we just came from humboldt county which we consider the cradle of cannabis culture and we got they opened our their doors and or gates to us is the best way to put it in southern humboldt and we got to hear some really great stories and then to come to colorado immediately after that and see what you guys did kind of you know if i'm being honest stumbled into it a little bit which is like what a lot of pioneers did if we're being honest like lewis and clark got to the pacific ocean on accident a lot i think is thank god that river ended up going there you know if you're being honest so introduce yourselves i think is the best way how about Evan? you can enter because this
0: will be part two of your okay presents. um so for part two uh on part one i was afraid we were never going to finish 45 minutes and uh, yeah we didn't even get to tap into the basically statewide initiative after we passed the one in denver to legalize possession of an ounce for anyone over 21. Uh, that was mason with my help, honestly. Uh, I think it was a little more calculated than us just falling into it. I mean, they sought a grant, you know, they got funding and picked Boulder for a reason I I explained earlier. Um, But then when we had all that momentum, we needed something to do next and people wanted to give us money at least. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but we so, had...
4: Says the guy not responsible for <laughs> raising the money.
0: <laughs> it seemed like yeah they'd give us two bucks at a time from our volunteers, but um, we needed help. Scott, who I grew up with, um, had Johns Hopkins graduate, one of the smartest guys I've, I know, and. Um, he he just lost his job in baltimore and needed he wanted to change a pace he wanted to get the hell out of baltimore for, for sure know. well that's um, understandable why be less when you can be more i try to say that whenever i can but he wanted to be <laughs> more not elsewhere town. it's, not. <laughs>
3: it's, it's really right, not there are parts like every town where you're like you shouldn't be there right?
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> underrated though the yes. charm city okay. so um i was like uh we need help to run this initiative and it's going to be a lot of collecting signatures and stuff. So he's like, I'm there. And it was really cool because he showed up and with a duffel bag, I was like, this is your whole life in a duffel bag. <laughs> he had to go buy a bed, furniture. Um, we had just moved into this house, this mansion, it was an amazing house and that's where we, that was ground zero for the statewide initiative and then what came later. Um, and Scott was a huge part of getting that on the ballot and then this man needs no introduction Um, he is the face in my opinion of a lot of what happened in this country Um, he still every day works on cannabis issues um, and he's my hero and I'll let him kind of pick up where I left off in a lot of ways I think mean, about you. Um, you. Uh, <laughs> I
4: think so too. I just wanted to make sure that Scott got you know his say his too. He got the, um, yeah, I mean, my name is Mason Tavert. Um, I'm a partner in a company called BS Strategies that focuses on cannabis policy and public affairs, but I've been working on cannabis policy for the last 17 years. Um, you know, after I finished college, uh, I immediately was hired by an organization called the Marijuana Policy Project uh, to do some campaign work in my home state of Arizona. Did that, which essentially amounted to harassing a couple of members of Congress, um, That's and right and up my alley. I like that. Just trying to make their lives miserable uh, while they were during their re-elections because they were opposed to medical cannabis legislation, and um, <laughs> kind of cut my teeth on, in that. And then, uh, along with uh, you know some folks that I'd met through that, started an organization. As I've mentioned, um, you know we. Uh, close friend of mine had this idea for an organization and really a new strategy and a new vision for how to approach legalization, a new way of talking about it. And, you know, something that organizations like the Marijuana Policy Project were not willing to try. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really seen as like uh, too aggressive um, and like too, uh, you know, like our, as I'm sure Evan's been talking about, you know, this was all focused on educating the public yes. about the fact that cannabis is safer than alcohol and, and all based around that very specific, you know, message. And that, while it seems obvious to us at this point, and maybe to some people it's always seemed obvious, but to most people it hasn't. And um, you know, like they're the mainstream organizations, like the real professional, you know, there weren't many and they had very little funding, but like you know, the most professional organizations that was too far, like, to say it's okay to use cannabis. Like, it was always more about, you know, cannabis may be bad, but prohibition is worse. And, you know, we need to make sure it's being controlled and taxed, and we need to, you know, but it was never flat out saying... It's not It's bad. okay to use cannabis. It's not and, bad. and so this was yeah. kind of a new thing, like, that this was gonna be very much focused on saying, there's nothing wrong with an adult responsibly using cannabis. It's, it's, no different it's than safe, someone having a drink. Safer
3: than alcohol. Safer than alcohol. Yeah.
4: And so we, you know, there uh, to their credit, some of the folks involved in those other organizations wanted to see if we were ready for that conversation, you know, as a country and so on. So they funded work to do that. And so I, me, and, and a gentleman named Steve Fox, uh, another guy with a, involved was named Aaron Houston, but we formed this organization. And you know to see what would happen if you went out and just you know aggressively pushed this message of marijuana is safer than alcohol, and you know you did it in a, a fun context, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you also did it um, you know with college students and college campuses where this is a big issue, like alcohol and. and I mean, cannabis. that's where I
3: had that uh, the epiphany that I, you're just like I they've lied about everything. Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah. This yes. is, and that's as, like when Evan was talking about it Thursday. Like I didn't, and I think it's so important we get this uh, this message across to the states that are still trying to legalize it. Like, because mm. I was just in Austin last week working with Willie's people, a uh, just doing man on the street. I was using my gifts, um, which is just talking to strangers and being a smartass. Mm. But that was the seemed The thing in Texas was like, if anyone was educated a little bit on it, even if they were like, I don't smoke it because it's illegal, but. There's no reason. Everybody. Yeah. And it would just became so clear. And then when he was explaining that you guys hit that, oh, this is – we just hit this thing. And if we hit with these real facts and just be like, hey, it's safer than boobs. Like, that's so brilliant. And I think I'm just repeating it right now for our listeners at home who are in those, those prohibition states now. That's how you're going to do it. Because that – I mean, old people – that's who vote, let's be honest, uh, and that's who's tricked into voting because they got the time and the money. So if you can get Grandma and Grandpa to be like, hey, you know how you hate alcohol? Well, this is a safer alternative. That's or, or all- hey, you know how you love alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about the staunch teetotalers. Sure, yeah, that's yeah, yeah who yeah. really, are once you get those people, everyone else will start talking about it.
4: Yeah. I mean, the problem is that we we didn't even, you know, we still aren't going to have all those people, but like it's, there's just so many people running down the middle. (laughs) Yeah, it is certainly, I mean, we've got the, 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 I mean, it's, it's been a rigged fight from the beginning because our opponents are slowly dying off. I mean, it's only a matter of time before they just don't. Mm -hmm exist without us even doing anything so <laughs> mm-hmm. um and what's funny is if they use cannabis it would prolong <laughs> <the alcohol. Yeah. laughs> in many cases yes, it, <laughs> yes would. it would
3: yes so you guys are you guys are in the mansion mm-hmm. which i love i mean in the co- college students in the like post-college students in a mansion too it's just like a fun where you guys i'm sure you called it a mansion and people were like well Sure it's big.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've been in other mansions now a lot being a lot
4: older that are way bigger, but for us, like you're oh, saying, well, this is also a mansion in the sense of Denver in the early 19th yes. century. You know, like, I mean, it was a historic building, and had a plaque and all that shit. Oh, and, you know, that's even see, I'm picturing well, it. Me just talk mansion. about our house, not your
0: mansion.
4: Not the, I'm still the talking marijuana. about the oh, okay. house, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did it have a the house, <laughs> and the the house they were built by the oh, same okay. people. Yeah, um, this house, like, <laughs> so we then, um, our firm, what like, we would later have an office in this building that's since been known as the Marijuana Mansion. It's actually a famous building in Denver um and it's known like it's on the ghost tour and everything Uh like it's you know it's this old but like and there have been businesses you know in it over the years and we had it for a number of years before we outgrew it but um but like our firm. And then, you know, when the National Campus Industry Association was started, they were based in that office. And like I worked for the marijuana policy project. I was based in that office. Uh, So it's just like the marijuana mansion. But it wasn't huge. But like it was actually very, very much the same building as this mansion that we lived in. Um, it was just inverted. It was like the stairs were on the right instead, or the uh-huh. left instead of the right, but like the same stained glass, the same woodwork, like because it was these same builders that built all these places around Capitol Hill. Yeah. So it, yeah, it was like a mansion. Like, I mean, it had servants' quarters. I think that fucking yeah. made some mansion.
3: Yeah, that thing. Like it had like
4: the little back stairway to like keep the the help out of view, uh-huh. like you know, which is fucked up, but like it's just. <laughs> That's how it was. That was
3: what, well, that's how they were rolling Yeah. Like and yeah, <laughs> you're exactly right. And that's cool that you co opted one of those buildings to. It's.
4: Righteous cause. Yeah. Yes. To do it right. <laughs> that makes
3: me like it even more. And then that you were just harassing congressmen. That. Yeah. You want to like, know I what I makes love, it even better? I love this guy.
4: So the first, the the, the one, this is why why it's so amazing is that it was two guys. One during the primary, Trent Franks, he ended up retiring and uh, leaving office in disgrace because I think it was that he he asked a staffer if they would consider having a baby for him, like something I can't remember exactly, but I mean he like he he was like the hardcore Christian, right? Um, and so you know we we. <laughs> That all. We're out. all over town with Trent Franks's heartless signs, and so he had to resign in disgrace. And then the other guy during that I did during that time in the um, in the general election was Rick Renzi, who not only had to leave office in disgrace, but went to prison for all sorts of financial and federal crimes. But I will say, he voted for the medical cannabis legislation right before he left. Well, so
3: we got yeah, hey, big win. Yeah, on multiple fronts. That's for huge. humanity. That is um, huge. <laughs> yeah bad people do good things every now and then that's what keeps them in the bad industry especially when they don't have
4: any more you know they're like well shit i'm not gonna be able to do bad stuff ever again i better just go ahead and do it good." yeah <laughs>
3: yes hey i'm gonna have to do something nice so i can get out of this shit that's as i get older I used to be that, you know, you used to be like, well, he's just doing the good thing because of this. And as I get older, I'm like, who cares why they're doing it? It's just <laughs> that they're doing it. That's all I care about now that we're doing good things. Um, so what was the initial
4: backlash? Where was that coming from? Like opposition, you mean? Yeah. Uh, generally, I mean, so the number one opposition just is, um, is the, the amount of time and and the prevalence of of anti cannabis you know propaganda. both propaganda and sentiment that that kind of stems from that um, which is you know you referenced earlier you said like oh there's some people who are like I don't use it but I just don't you know or but I think it should be legal and there are a lot of people who you know or you know wouldn't you they don't use it or they think it should, they think it should be illegal because it's illegal it's like that you know Yes, a certain mindset, Scott can attest to this, having mm. been someone that collected signatures where it's like, will you sign this? And they're like, Number well, it's illegal. How can it, I sign yeah. something to say it should be legal? It's like, that doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. Um, but so uh, I want to also say, like, for us and how we started going to first college campuses and then in Denver and mainly, like, specific parts of Denver, mm-hmm. we didn't experience much opposition. But then in 06, when we needed to, everyone in the state, that's when... They really started to come after us. And
3: oh, so in like in when you're in the like a for lack of a better term like a metro city area, everyone was like, "Sure, like, you this is easy." Like, you know, every yeah.
1: now and again, someone would tell me they won't sign it, but I was in front of a couple of places that just about every single person that I talked to is somewhat with it and yeah. it wasn't a hard sell for him by any means but or, or he, they'd
4: be skeptical it wasn't that they didn't agree but they'd be skeptical or they didn't want their yeah, name i on don't the list. want my name on yeah, a list no God i, God I mean time. i understood <laughs> that's
3: why i delayed getting my prescription for as long as i did because i was like oh, i don't know man that seems <laughs> like a you know, i don't know if you've ever in 1984 but it seems like a setup yeah <laughs> but there's a but lot then of people i was like there. fuck it i don't care <laughs> if i'm on a thing it seems like there's a bunch of us so yeah and then i got it in venice beach when i lived in washington state with a washington state id and
4: i was like i think it's looser than we think it is you guys (laughs) well it's also i mean you're you know it's again and i don't you know there's it's to be expected but like you don't want to be on the list that will protect you because you're worried it will hurt you yeah and that's 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 shitty that it has to be that way but like it's literally like you're worried about getting in trouble And as a result, you're not getting on the one thing that will keep you out of trouble. Yeah. Like, and and it shouldn't be that way, but, and it's fortunate that it is now, you know, these programs are trusted and, and people by and large are willing to do it. Yeah, no, and it's, well, it also, it's also years of,
3: um. Like if you get a DUI or something, you you had to stop using cannabis. Oh yeah. So that was the thing. That's I still a case to, to, to an extent. It's very, that was the thing where I realized like, oh, they, the cannabis is illegal because of the drug testing. Cause that was just like, I mean, I would say it in those classes you have to take and you know, that's a whole scam. Hmm that whole that whole justice thing where you're like well you you can take these classes and you have to pay these fines and you're like what the fuck like what is this and they're like well it's to prevent you from doing this again and you're like no it's not this is not no one like that dude right there i was sitting next to had four dui so this is not working he's been to this class five times and i would just say i was like i think it's a, it's very bothersome that i can't smoke marijuana and stay at home because, and I was like, but I can go out and drink, and you motherfuckers aren't going to catch me unless I fucking get in the car again. And, and the lady was like, no, I agree with you. That's all she said. Yeah. That's all, And I was like, okay, so this is not like, I'm not like having the only one with this epiphany. Everyone's just going along with this system, because if you don't, it fucks you. Yeah. And then you guys are like, no, let's fuck that. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, but who so wide, the I'm sorry, first, I get preachy on this, but just uh, uh, like opponents, we're debate. still on
4: the opponents talk. Yeah, like who were some of the first? Like, well, the, the they, so like we, the we opposition.
0: Like, oh, the, 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 yeah, the they general, had a group called like
4: almost safe. Didn't have the word um, safe in in or something. Like. Yeah, well, and yeah, it was uh, guarding our children against <laughs> cannabis sorry. or against marijuana. Uh, go cam, uh, <laughs> and we actually at one point during that campaign formed a a. a a committee with you know, we filed a state issue committee that was guarding our children against cannabis or against marijuana prohibition. So let's go camp. Like it's a shame, it's kind of confusing, sorry, but like we're we're both saying what we're trying to do here. Um so, you know, we had a big press conference with a bunch of parents and kids and, you know, just flat out saying like, you know, you do not get to own the we care about our kids' argument, like we all care about kids, we all care about our families, like're you can say that you're guarding them, but like you can't say we're not mm-hmm. and um, you well, know they but, don't like that. but they yeah, you know like, hey, honestly that
3: was our angle for so long yeah. <laughs> yeah. What during about during the that children? campaign, there wasn't a lot of money spent against us. Oh, we got to be hateful when we was <laughs> it. yeah, was mm-hmm. a, yeah. Was
4: there wasn't a lot of money spent at that time against us, I mean a little, but most of it comes in the form of um, you know official opposition so you know uh primarily uh prosecutors so you know the attorney general of the state the, and district attorneys uh, and then of course like the associations that represent them like the district attorney's council or the you know the sheriff's association mm-hmm. so you have the plot the prosecutors and the police uh, and then you have elected officials like political officials so you know the governor state legislators, city council members, um, and we had virtually only opposition or neutrality. Uh, There are very, very, very few cases of support. I mean, um, we had one, one city council member, I remember during that first Denver initiative, all he did was in his newsletter say, Like, you know, it's like, here's how to vote on all the issues coming up. And he's like, yes on this, no on this, yes on this. And then on the marijuana one, it's like, like, I'm not going to have a, like, recommend either way, but I'll just let you know that I plan to vote yes because of whatever. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. basically like... weakest possible yes (laughs) and like he got shit on for it and like you know so we just didn't really have that much of that type of support it was all cops prosecutors um and political officials primarily charlie brown was against us yeah the city council member, yeah <laughs> not yeah, now, not what, cool, Charlie Brown, but soon to be cooler, Charlie Brown, because he <laughs> actually came around very big and became a pretty strong proponent for the industry at one point now now when they when it's like all these law enforcement
2: people who are against you like what 's the reason, what are they saying? Is it just straight up like, hey? Well, this is a good part of our job, so we don't want to.
4: (laughs) Partially, partially. I mean, basically, what it comes down to is um, for most law enforcement, number one, law enforcement as a profession attracts a certain type of person. Not saying they're bad or or anything, but like people who feel strongly about rules and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and I think their demographics and whatnot, you know, just like the type of people that become law enforcement are probably more likely to be, you know, well, cannabis is like marijuana's legal. Like it's I, a status quo I, thing. Yeah, Where They, they yeah. don't even it's understand the, what they're protecting. Yeah. They're just protecting. And there are plenty yeah. of them who who uh, would agree. Who you know, and we I've talked yeah. to many who would say, yeah, like I don't, you know, I just don't give a shit about can- yeah, make it legal, whatever. Like it's not part of my day, or I, I wish I didn't have to deal with it. You know, it yeah. depends on their personal. Most of them, it's a paperwork thing that yeah. comes down. To mm-hmm. It. Mm-hmm. But like, like but for some of them, it. they want the paper. Like so that's the other side of it is that like you know like in New York for example, I mean New York was always. Um, this issue with ending stop and frisk and like and one of the key things behind it was that it took like like a cannabis possession arrest was one of the most you know lengthy processes of going through like arresting someone bringing them in like you know putting them in the system going through all this and it took like a you know a few hours well it kind of was known that if you know at the tail end of your shift (laughs) if you do this you get paid time and like you're not like automatic getting paid time and a half for overtime because you have to follow through with what you were doing. So like, <sighs> you know, so there is some of that. There is definitely like police who view it as a tool, like being able to smell it. Oh, now I get to search and they, you find know, whatever the, gives, on bad drugs. whatever authorizes. Yeah. And, and you know what, honestly, like for many of them, I think they genuinely feel like they're like, hey, I'm trying to keep like fucked up drugs. Like, you know, <laughs> like crazy, like, tainted heroin from Mexico and like automatic weapons. Like I'm trying to like find this shit. And like if cannabis has to be illegal for me to be able to like, cause they've probably had many cases where the smell of cannabis or whatever, like ends up resulting in a bigger bust. Like it's un- like, I get it. I mean, I don't think they're right, but like I can see why they think they're doing right. Yeah, no, it's a, you know? uh, they view it
3: as a tool. Yeah. It's uh, it's the same and I appreciate it The same as why it's still illegal federally mostly is drug testing because it stays in your system for 30 days that's it's just a they use it and then people that use meth and like heroin and stuff like junkies that are trying to help and all that but they can keep them in the system because they also smoke marijuana to come down from the the Mm -hmm. funk so it's it's just education I think I got so excited when I heard just the core of what you guys are doing, like it's safer than this. It's just, and that's that's what this whole podcast is: is destigmatizing what this plant is from the growers, from the people that are trying to legislate it and move this, and help it help our country properly instead of just a handful of people who can help everybody. And it's like I just want to put a face on you motherfuckers because because they, I get mad at like the other parts of media that just want to put the sexy stuff out there because i get it's a it's the money part and it's easier to do that but that's not what's going to be in a different way in a different way do you know what i mean i feel you um <laughs> like we have to do a longer podcast is it? You, yeah. you guys aren't sexy in three minutes <laughs> I, get it, I get it <laughs> i get it you only got
4: my you only got you know you got my bad side thanks uh, uh, yeah and uh, we
3: filming this shit too so uh,
2: um, Mike, yeah, go ahead. Um, so th- one of the things I think, especially being, like, an Oregonian and stuff like that and having family in the industry for a long time, you know, it was like, when Colorado was going brack. it was like, oh, shit these motherfuckers kind of hopping the line. We've been doing this shit yeah. for a while. Like this is, but you know, the more on this podcast, I'm finding out how deep entrenched it is, but what was it like to almost be like the sacrificial lamb going for full legalization, being like one of the first States to do that and having the entire country staring at you guys going through this.
4: Um, I don't want to talk to you. You guys are welcome to, if you got thoughts I on. I
1: mean, it was fantastic for me to watch Mason be that person, you know, because mm-hmm. he would be on the news, and it was always just pushing the message, safer than alcohol. He, they would try to drag him into debates about all different kinds of things, stayed on point whole time. And it was just awesome to see these people who were, like, higher-ups than and then Mason at the time, you know, probably – The status is a whole lot leveled at this point, but how frustrated they're getting at this young kid. We were, you know, we were young kids. And like you said, probably weren't the first in line to be doing this stuff, but because of the way that Mason approached it, staying on message every single time, it was fantastic. And to see the success that happened is still kind of mind blowing for me in a lot of ways for like, this is how it started. You know, this is how the ball really got rolling towards the the things that are going on today
3: do you think that his like the fearlessness of staying on like that part i think scares them more than anything because for so long it was just the fear-mongering of any status quo is easy to keep up and when you know it's just a form of negotiation when you don't have a whole lot to lose and motherfuckers want to come in and negotiate with you, you're like, well, you've you've really underestimated what I'm doing here. And you've, I think that's, I, I, I this is just, I'm very excited about how this went down. Yeah, no, like, I think you hit the ground though, I and mean,
4: it's definitely, definitely stuck under the radar. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, like with regard to, like, I knew, you know, I got into this, um, like got started um, reading about all, you know, cannabis policy, drug policy and whatnot in college. And, um, you know, certainly knew that, you know, California, especially Northern California, um, which you all referenced earlier, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, was is really at the, the heart of growing culture, um, you know, I, I'm, and I'm not knocking... The Emerald Triangle, in any way, shape, or form. I made it very clear. Like, I love Northern California. I think they're like they're pioneers. But you know, it wasn't necessarily like the the, the epicenter of cannabis. Is the epicenter of cannabis like growing yes. and, and cannabis as a um, as a major part of community? Like, it created the jobs. It, Like, really, like, pe- like you know, th- like when your community is based around this, like that. That's very much the case with a lot of people's companies and work in their jobs these days. But back then, like with it being illegal, like the fact that you have these amazing communities where like people all rely on growing cannabis for survival. And it's like just so it's like the it's not just like the cultivation epicenter, but it's like it being such a major economic factor and part of everyday life for everyone. Like that's what everyone does all day. That's their work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah that's just huge and so we knew like northern california and like california in general like it's the first with medical cannabis like oregon was the second basically i think hawaii might have been around the same time but you know oregon was 1998 Um, and and then of course washington as well being pretty i think might have been 2000 um so and those were very old programs and um what was very different in colorado compared to them colorado passed a medical law in 2000 but did not It was far, like when we moved here in 2005, there were like 1,200 patients on the registry. Like, you know, it was not many, and we we knew a lot of them. Like, we used to go, like I used to speak at a church where there would be a patient meetup where like caregivers would come, and patients would come, and they would get a chance to go in a room together and meet each other. Like, in a church. (laughs) Like, it was, but like, these were like, super, super sick people. And like, it was kind of, it was like kind of beautiful, like to see like dude covered in tattoos. Like, I mean, you know, fucking young, cannabis grower like counterculture if you will and like people think of that type of person as being like oh like this gang member or whatever but it's (laughs) like this dude's taking his fucking day to like come down here and like help these people he could be out selling weed wherever but like he wants to help these people and he's giving them like the deal of their life to be able to like get it affordably like it was amazing you know so it is amazing
3: like i think i was well, moving from the east coast like you got from east tennessee uh, i consider that a coast uh, uh the appalachian mountains are my coast uh but moving and falling in love with cannabis in college and then becoming a stand-up comedian which is it's you know very much part of our community and always has been and moving to seattle washington was the first place i moved and it was like seeing the just the culture where it was like this isn't bad here this is like it's it's kind of nothing here which is like it was this thing of like yes yes it's nothing and then but like learning more and then I went and would perform at this flea market for back lack of a better, there was a medical flea market and white center in, uh, in Seattle and, uh, which is where the black people live, which always made me laugh. Um, <laughs> It's very Seattle Northwest humor. I'm sorry, you guys. Uh, if you understand that area, it's it very translates fun. to school. Yeah, There's uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of segregation in the Northwest. Didn't come from the South, where it's like you motherfuckers can't do this anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that commute, like the I would perform it, and then they would just hand me all this weed, and I was like, w- "What the fuck is this?" how are y'all doing it and they would explain it was this medical thing and then i started meeting their, you know there were people in wheelchairs and i was just like oh like the other comics would just go and just be like thanks for that weed i did the show and i was like no there's something to this this is the future this is why we're doing this it just like that part was like super cool to me because it was for lack of a better term, criminal-looking motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Helping these very sick people, caring in a way that, uh, it made me so, it was just the this, this slow process of the, realizing like this plant is more than just this thing that gets me stoned and makes me feel good. Like there's something way bigger here happening because of that part of it, like mm-hmm. I think that, I just and I think I'm just repeating this because I'm trying to inspire motherfuckers like you in the next generation in these states and over the next three or four or five years we can move real fast if we get out how you did this and how you make this happen and then how you educate people and I think a lot of that education for me was like seeing people helping each other and that this wasn't sure they were doing that because it also helps them keep this card and they can make money but i was like they're not getting rich that was the first thing i noticed too i was like these people aren't getting rich these no. people are living yeah. well but they're they're comfortable and don't have to worry and they're taking care of these ah uh, uh, just that's the essence of what that movement i think was and the underlying fuel was you getting the education across and then people seeing each other help each other that's it's like seeing, we have family friends and they have an adult son who's severely autistic and they figured out that when they give, and he suffers from intense seizures and they figured out, they give him some, they stopped. Like, mm-hmm. it, 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 no, it makes me wanna, you know, because it's someone I know and the fact, when you hear the story, you're like, well, that's really cool. But when you you're like, no, it's real and it helps families and they're you know the dad's a lawyer and he's like yeah we gotta be really careful about this and all this because they live in pennsylvania and i was like oh this but they're fired up and they're boomers and i was like that's who we need to fire up (laughs) these fucking boomers because once they think they're right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so i got preachy um (laughs) this has been the perfect amount of episode two and what we'd like to do now in if you guys don't mind and if you do mind just you can say no. We were we know Steve passed away this week and he was an integral part of what y'all were doing. We didn't Andy Jewett was actually trying to line us up to talk to him and then he was told he's like, Hey he and but we we're learning how integral he was and what we'd like to do in this season is have everybody kinda of talk about him and then we put together an episode just about him. Mm -hmm. We're going to have Jane do that. Is that okay with you guys Like for the next 15 to 20 minutes? If y'all want to tell his story, we'll love to
0: put that together. So Mm -hmm. we'll let you guys kind of... Sure. I... Knew him as a voice on a phone for a long time before I ever actually met the guy. So I was creating my own illusions. Uh, it was almost like Wizard of Oz type shit, you know, like this. I was the
4: big floating head. <laughs>
0: I think that's a great analogy. Um, and Sexy floating head. Appreciate it. And they just... I consider myself pretty smart and intelligent. I consider him smart and intelligent, him too, obviously. And this guy just constantly razor sharp. Like, just, it would blow my mind how he would think to approach things, the arguments he would make, the advice he was able to give, you know, as somebody that should have been, like, 80 years old with that kind of wisdom, you know, and wasn't that much older than us. And, um the nicest, calmest, you know, and then when I finally got to meet him, just like this bright smile, such a warm figure, um, uh, stoic. And it's, you know, I, I said something, uh, I I actually started posting on my Facebook more than ever, um, after he passed and i wrote something like i witnessed his genius you know and my life in a lot of ways is predicated on that man and it's like it, putting that into words kind of was humbling for me to what the the effect you know on my on me was so much more profound than i ever really considered and i think most people in this country if you're a cannabis user could be able to say that without ever having met the man you know that's his legacy is he was so important in getting this country to where it is today and
1: uh it's just so sad that he's not here um, do you wanna no and i had the least relationship with him out of all of us, but um, the one thing to kind of go back to like the community side of it, you know, seeing who Steve Fox was and meeting him for the first time kind of a nerdy looking dude, yeah, you know. But he's out there at the front lines as the first marijuana lobbyist, the first guy getting into all this and connecting with the people who were, t- we're talking look like these criminals, but he's somehow <laughs> able to like gel that whole thing together and just relentless in his mission to do good for the cannabis industry. And you know, the the few experiences that I really did get to share with him were so fantastic. And uh, it's just so sad, you know, like I I know how profound of an impact he had on, like I've been saying, all of our lives and really, especially directly, some people sitting at this table. So it's just, it's so sad. And he did so much fantastic good for the world, the cannabis community. And it's just, it's a terrible loss
4: yeah indeed um so i i met steve fox in 2004. um i was a young privileged person trying to get a job and I, they had a job at the marijuana policy project i demanded it they wouldn't give it to me i kept on harassing them until finally they it seems a common uh, theme in your life yeah <laughs> pretty much don't fuck with me bro <laughs> you know, that's, that's, i get what, what i want what, that is what i'm saying it's like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but like, um, you know, they were like, listen, we see you're from Arizona. You want to go do this work for a few weeks? We can't guarantee about Whatever. But the point being that Steve was the one who, you know, one of the two people who interviewed me, and I like went up there, I was wearing my suit and tie. I was all, you know, already like, ready to play the game, and, uh, and I'll, I'll never forget that he told me like later on like that he thought I was a college Republican, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, and, and it's less of a dig at me and more of a compliment to college Republicans, in my opinion, but, That's a good way to but, look at it. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, the other thing was like, he had asked me, you know, I'm like, like sitting there, and it's like, you know, this is like August, and we graduated in like early May or something, and he's like, so what have you been doing the last couple months, just curious, you know? Typical interview question to ask, and I was like, I've been making t-shirts and selling them in the parking lots of concerts. How about you? He's like, I've been trying to legalize weed. Um, But like, he was just, his response was not like, you know, to react like, oh, you're like a hippie. Like, it was like, he was like, really? Like, so you make them? Like, you're like, buying them and selling them or like you're designing like he like wanted to know like the process like he was like intrigued because he always had this idea of like he understood like the power of communication and like, you know, like the idea of like, you know, we need to make it popular to be pro-legalization. Yeah. You know, like like So the idea is like, oh, you're into making t-shirts and like getting them out there. Like, you know, the process of how to, like he was, he was like, and I didn't really pick up on that at the time. It was like later on that I realized why he was so interested because a big part of Safer when we started out here was like, you know, branding cannabis as being less harmful than alcohol, like I mean, T-shirts that cannabis can of beer with the checkmark next to and cannabis. And you're not
3: afraid to go up to strangers and be like,
4: "Hey, yeah, buy this thing."
3: Yeah, I, no doubt. It and takes so, a special yeah. person.
4: Yeah, to, yeah, just like spend your time in a parking lot, you know, asking strangers to stop. I, like, I travel around the country yeah. trying to make strangers laugh, so yeah. I understand. Yeah, that it sounds same. like you'd be a great asset to a. a, <laughs> a, a <laughs> you should, you should enter the, the the nonprofit advocacy space. I, well, um, my
3: sister graduated with a graduate degree and nonprofit okay. organization. And I I pointed out that I asked her if she did understand what nonprofit meant. And yeah. she was the smartest one in her family. But She yeah. was like,
4: yeah, well, you go do that yeah. funny guy. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's, well, a, a she's a per- very <laughs> noble person. Yeah. That's a, a perfect segue, though. I mean, Steve, basically, um, you know, he, uh, I think he, so, like, as I was saying, he was incredibly sharp. The, the most notable thing with regard to his, like, intelligence or, or wisdom or whatever you want to call it is that he just saw ahead like he was a step ahead of everyone like when it was like medical cannabis is the big thing he's like thinking about how, what the impact like how it's going to transform into adult use cannabis like when adult use cannabis is being debated he's like thinking about what the industry is going to look like and how it needs to be operated and how to like make it responsible and make sure that it like works like he's always thinking of the next step and so like you know i was there like Hey, hire me for this job. He's like thinking like, we're gonna to want to make t-shirts at some point. This guy knows how to make t-shirts. <laughs> like we might, Okay, that's an asset. Like let's let's let's, let's keep that in mind. Um, but like he uh, like so like you know he I, just he just pulls out his desk t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, it was like uh, quite frankly, it was like the case. And and oh. like he um he was just uh you know had like the sense that like shit could get like you know you that you know, when you hire people to do this kind of work, like when I called Evan and I'm like, dude, going to Colorado, I'm going to start this organization, like we're going to work towards like legalizing cannabis." It's like you're asking people to take a leap, you know, mm-hmm. like something, it's something that's never been done at that point in time. And it's like to ask someone to commit their time and to like do it for less money than they could make doing something else. And, you know, it's like you really like he was able to make people understand that it was doable, like that shit could be done. Like this is within reach. Like if, and you know, I mean, it took me, like, you know, I was willing to follow him at first just because I was brand new to this kind of stuff. And and like, but like, you know, like... I mean, when it came time to, like, deciding what to do next with, like, should we do a statewide initiative or not? It's like, okay, like, I'm 23 years old, and I did everything this guy told me to do for the last six months, and I'm, like, on the front page of the New York Times and, like, most newspapers in the country right now. (laughs) should probably just do what he says to do, like, I mean, (laughs) like, and, and, you know, and he was perfectly content with like being, you know, he, he kind of like liked the idea of, you know, I I would constantly be like, dude, like, I got this interview opportunity, like, I always felt bad, like, you know, you like, he's my mentor, like, I was like, you, you know, told me what to say, like. I feel bad that i'm doing he was always like you know like he he like kind of enjoyed the idea like he he had used like he like that he called himself like he was like the david axel right like, so i kind of like being in the background like being like the person you know kind of orchestrating it all without being out front and it was like okay so it's kind of it was, it was you know really he worked knew out what, he knew immediately
3: who you were when you walked and in. and it wasn't just you me it,
4: you're right yeah. you're exactly right and he, it wasn't just me it was like he saw in people what they were what they could do and he like you know, he never, like, was like, oh, like, you're not gonna be able to do, you know, well, he was, like, super skeptical, like, we were, like, you know, we all tend to get jaded and whatnot, but, like, yeah. he didn't, you know, he he would just recognize things in people and um, help them get those things done, which is why he's, like, a transformational leader. Like, he didn't just, you know, change, like, change laws and, and, or you know, policy and things that affected everyone, but, like, the people immediately around him were made better at do, at doing what he felt he like. He wanted to do what was so good for humanity, and not only did he himself do it, he made other people able to do it. Which is like that's true leadership, you know.
3: That is the death. Um, I mean, yeah, by d- yeah, definition. I mean, it's, is- I've
4: been envy of this, envious of it, like you know, like because I, you know, I'm not. I get focused on doing my thing, and it's you know, I'm now in my 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 golden years you know like <laughs> trying to 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 try to fulfill that role for others like and it's very difficult for me but like um he just like saw this and when i said you know i started i said like he saw ahead like it's his whole life like his career is like when you think about it like a super fascinating like he saw ahead like with colorado you know like he like while california and washington were all supposedly going to legalize any year now in Nevada and whatever, you know, like it was like, well, we could go that same route, which, you know, everyone thinks we should do. And maybe like, we will in our due time legalize or let's try this new thing and pass them and did. And like, we were doing something that people thought was like, Oh, like you're making it harder. It's going to take longer because you're not doing it the way you're supposed to. But in the end we got there faster. And, like, you look at his whole career, like, this dude was, like, a political professional in the early 2000s, the aughts, if you will, whatever. Uh, He was, like, in Washington, D.C. He had just worked on the Bill Clinton presidential campaign. Like, he was a young dude. He had just finished law school after that, working in Congress as, like, a staffer. Mm -hmm. And all, you know, every person at that age and that, under those circumstances, is, like, looking for, like, their big wins. Like, they want to, like, I got to work on a congressional campaign, I got to win. I got to pass a bill, I got to win. Like, and this dude made the decision that he would go ahead and become the first full-time lobbyist working on campus policy on Capitol Hill, which is like the non-win possible, you know, like all, like everyone, all the other political professionals are like, well, I don't want to get into something where I'm going to just keep losing yeah, and not, you know, like they may have agreed that it should be legal, they may have supported it, but they were like, I can't I'd like a that. career,
2: you jackass. Yeah, and yeah, he, exactly. he yeah,
4: wasn't worth the, the loss, you know, and he was like, well, it's worth the win, you know, and like he managed to not only like personally, you know, reach a spot of accomplishment, but also like accomplish what He actually wanted to like all those other dudes and women or whatever who are like, oh, I'm going to stay here. I need to work on this, you know, healthcare, this or that, like all these people with these grandiose ideas of what they want to do to change the world. Probably spent the next 15 years like making incremental change and what have you. But like this dude managed to change everything, mm-hmm. and he so he like had a, like the bigger, massive, not just personal but societal accomplishment, quicker than everyone else because <laughs> he did the different thing. It's fucking fascinating to me, yeah. like that he, yeah. you know. And I think that sums it up. Like he just wanted to do well. Well, it's funny because I know we touched on it earlier, but it
2: was like you guys came out of the gate out of nowhere supposedly from the west coast standard and just like seeing it be like hey this shit needs to get done and we're just gonna fucking do it Mm -hmm. it's just like jumping into the fray and it's so cool to hear that this dude is the reason why that happened he was the one who's like i don't care if i gotta lose a bunch we're just Mm -hmm. gonna fucking do this and pushed it to the point where legalization happened because you know being out in oregon it's like oh they did it first that's so fucking cool <laughs> I think it's also fascinating he took what he learned
3: in DC like the, how the politics actually work because that in that takes the fear out of a lot of people because you see the inner workings and you see these oil companies or these other you know quote unquote people that are fucking shit up those dudes aren't afraid they walk in and they do this thing This, so I think there's there is there's a subtle genius to that man to being like oh i see what you guys are okay i can do this for a thing that actually matters Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's gonna take longer but we all get this whole town is getting punched in the face that's most of the gig is take it's like hollywood is the same thing where it's like Mm -hmm. you're gonna get a bunch of nose for and then when someone tells you yes it is like you it's a look where you're like what (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that, yeah. Because you just, and but that, it gives you kind of an armor is what it is when you can go up to people in a parking lot and just be like, hey, this, this, and this. And you're like, yeah, a bunch of people are going to say no. Most people don't want to buy anything, but motherfuckers do buy stuff, and then I get to buy stuff from it. Like, it's.
4: Yeah, yeah you can't wonder if they're going to say yes or no. You need to know that they should say yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: and be okay that they say no. That's I think that's, it's like gambling, too. It's like, it's. People that are good at gambling know how much they want to win. They don't have a number they want to lose. That's, that was a trick I learned a long time ago as a comedian when you play Vegas because you want to leave Vegas with more money. That's the yeah. goal as a performer because a lot of them don't. <laughs> but the trick I learned from a lot of old Vegas people, they're like, no, 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 when you hit the number you want to win, you leave the, you leave the casino. That's how. And you, were, you made that money that day. He's like, most people walk in, and they're like, hey, this is how much I want to lose, and they play and play and play and Until win, lose, yeah. and then they lose that amount. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. And it sounds like homie had a counterintuitive intuition that is genius. Yeah. It's like a genius. It's a gift that he harnessed, and we're all better for it. Mm. Absolutely. Where do you think the future, what, what is the future?
4: Um, I think we're going to continue to see state-level change. Um, you know, we now, just in this month alone, in April, saw three more states, you know, fully come on board with adult use mm-hmm. legalization, uh, you know, New York, New Mexico. um New Jersey earlier this year, Virginia. And what's really fascinating is that just in this month you got you know New Mexico, Virginia, New York, those are three distinct regions. You yes, know, that's they the are. South. And some people say Virginia is not South. It's the fucking capital of the Confederacy. We went to school oh, in man. Virginia, it's the fucking South. <laughs> I, was gonna say I saw fucking like you know, white supremacists march outside like my like down the street of, of my building on MLK Day. Like it's no, the, it's fucking, the south. fucking south. it's The fucking south. So like Virginia, uh, New York, some New Mexico in the north yeah.
3: of Virginia that yeah that are part DC. Of DC exactly That's, yeah but, yes but the rest of that um, state is the yeah, no, fucking south. But yeah no it's it's
4: and like the no you know the idea that, that that those three states you know the southwest the northeast the you know mid Atlantic or south. Um, you know, that's just a further demonstration of how widespread the support has grown. New York State,
3: I was, we were just planning, that was me and another producer, we were just planning where we want to go, we're going go to Alaska next, and then after that, I was like, it's either Oklahoma or New York, and yeah. he was like, New York, I was like, it's such, geographically, it legalizing it the way it did is, it, I didn't see the Northeast doing it that quick.
4: Yeah, things are moving along. Um, and yeah, that's great that you're going up to Alaska. Um, I actually worked very much on that legalization campaign. Do you know
3: Bruce? Bruce. Uh, we'll talk after yeah. this. Yeah, okay.
4: Sorry. Uh, I, don't I don't want to throw uh, uh, yeah, the out Yeah, you know, uh, the Marijuana Policy Project ran that, that, that initiative, and I. Did all, all the media, like, worked on that, on all the, all aspects of that came in with those folks. So yeah, if you know anything going up there. I um, will call you later. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, so you got state level change, we'll continue. you got 18 adult use states, 36 medical, Um, you know, we will, there's still some states that could do this year, Connecticut um, uh, probably being among the most likely, Rhode Island being among the most likely. Um, Minnesota further shot, Delaware further shot, uh, Maryland going to be next year probably, but you know, we're going to continue to have months like this April where it's like two or three states. Yeah. And we're going to have another election probably where we'll have two or three states. And so, you know, every time that stuff happens, it just further expands, you know, what's possible with regard to the public support, Um, more members of Congress that represent places Mm -hmm. that. Have done this and you know whether they acknowledge it immediately or it takes a while they will start to have constituents whose jobs depend on this working and who are you know being intimately affected by their decisions about shit like banking and taxes and all these key issues at the federal level for cannabis and of course there's all the social equity stuff so i think we'll see you know legalization in congress may not be this year but it will be well, relevantly pretty soon here, it, you know, mm-hmm. um, if not this year, it's possible, you know, anything possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, we're gonna continue to see the growth of, of this industry and its development. I think, you know, it's, it's finally really embracing the social equity side of things and pushing all of that. Um, you know, there's a, a clear recognition amongst most that, you know, it's something that needs to be addressed, like repairing the damage of prohibition and setting an example for, like, how to set up an industry, a new industry, right? So, I think all of that's going to happen, you know, over time. Um, but he's really busy. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I want him
3: to be. When he's busy, good things are happening. <laughs> but he's, still, uh, still, yeah. he's
0: still fired up, you know? And uh, we were talking last, I think, when we ended. I know you really kind of wanted to drive this home. You got to talk into it. You can't point. Because I, so I, I want a pointer. <laughs> I went home and was really trying to come up with what the message is you know and you keep talking how to get things like we did here done elsewhere what it takes and um i still don't know the answer you know (laughs) after having thought about it but i might want you know scott to maybe share his thoughts and and also mason because you know it is you can hear mason talk like he and when i joke that he's busy i mean this stuff is going on every day you know and and consumes a lot of smart people's lives that are really trying to get it done as fast as possible in the right in the right way you know like it was almost wild west you know and when, when the medical stuff like what was something happened in in denver before it was really legal where the city council or somebody like they made a change and then like right away all these kind of Dispensaries popped up and were able to sell, and like they yeah. could sell as much as they wanted, and like just people were just—it was all cash, you know—and yeah. it was like the very much the Wild West. Um, so, you know, for other states to to do this now, there's models out there, right, that are, that are easier to set up. But like Oklahoma, right now, I'm hearing that it's pretty like Denver was blowing up. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it's just a, it's just a cart a before the horse type stuff. <laughs> you know. Uh,
2: so yeah, the, the, the question that I would asked Evan and like, it's cannabis related or just anything, but if you want to see a change happen in this country, cause you guys have done it with cannabis, but like, what's the best advice for people to go and make that happen?
4: So, um, Number one, I would say, like the message is obviously important. We've had some a lot of conversation about staying on message, but the message isn't always the same. Uh, I think that you know, there's a time and a place, and it depends on what's what you, like. And then this comes back to your question before about the difference between the Pacific Northwest and and Colorado. Um, like the safer, like you know, the way Washington, like Colorado, and Washington, legalized the same year. The Washington campaign was very, very different. Mm-hmm. But And it's not to say that it was wrong or that they did it wrong and we did it right. Like, we both ended up with basically the same level of support. Um, And again, not knocking them, but I think that we had a bigger impact in that we, like, there was virtually no paid opposition to that. It was like, there were some medical patients upset by it, but like, no one organized against it, whereas in Colorado, everyone did. Well, the way they do, I lived in Seattle, so I can comment on... You're exactly
3: right, but the way they had to play politics in Washington is different than the way you have to play politics. It's it's so much more corporate dominated in that state.
4: It's not even a corporate thing. It's just that like there in the in like California, uh, Washington, Oregon, there was already a a better acceptance, like culturally, of cannabis as you know more people accepted it as being part of society and that it it just you know um, than there were in Colorado. And so like they didn't need like we needed to hit that safer than alcohol message because the people in colorado did not know that already as well as people in washington and oregon and california like they grew up hearing that and knowing that more than the people in colorado so like different message different time you know um so to go to your question of like what or or what what people need should do is like obviously determining what the best message is at the time and that's you know not necessarily easy, but you can generally take cues from like, you know, if there's organizations that you follow that you think are doing good things, you can take cues from like what they're saying. Um, But like from the perspective of being an actual individual working on this, you have to like define winning in in a reasonable fashion. Like if you say like, I'm going to change my state's law, otherwise I fail that's fucked up. Like, that's real tough. <laughs> like, you're setting yourself up yeah, for a you disappointment. Are, yeah, you're and, right. I'm like, going to be Captain America. I, I like, right I like went you're around to evil. colleges and I would do public speaking. And like, that was my number one thing to like, yeah, you because know, college students would, would, would try to change campus policies or their city laws. And it was like, guys, like, it's fast. It's fucking awesome that you're trying to do this, but you really need to remember that, like, whether the law in your city changes or not is like, that's going to be very difficult. It's not to say you can't, But like you need to make sure for multiple reasons, number one, that you're having accomplishments to keep people motivated, to keep people engaged, like they don't sign up, you lose something, it's over, like they, you know, like you have wins building up to the win. Um, Like that's very important. Um, But also just getting people to understand that, like, I'll never forget, like the very first thing we did, like campus ballot measure, Colorado State University, election day, like it's ballots, you know. Pull like voting closes, and we like go back to the student helper. Like we had, we had hired a student, give him like you know two hundred bucks a quarter to like file the paperwork and shit, right? Yeah. You yeah. know. Well, he's learning. Yeah, yeah. like it was and I'll never well forget. We made, I'll yeah. never forget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we, but like we go back to this kid's house, you know, college evening, and we're like hanging out, just like waiting to to hear or like watch the what happens on the on online, and like the dude's roommates there, you know, he's like hanging out, and it's just like what's going on, <laughs> like had no idea. You know, like... Yes. And, and, and know it, stu- it fucking stuck like, with me. And I was like... It, what are y'all doing? Well, it was just like, it, but it was just like... It's not to say that this kid who was helping us wasn't doing great work. He was he was doing what he was supposed to, but, like, it just, like, he kind of was, like, caught up in the... Well, the organization is, like, doing this thing, and, like, like, they tell me where I should be to do these things. But, like, he didn't necessarily think of, like, the easiest thing. Like, the uh. fucking kid that lives with him. Like... Get him to vote, and like. (laughs) Hey, what are
3: you doing right now? Come vote. But like
4: that is, it's. I'm not blaming him at all. Like it's very easy to do, you know. Like to to be folk, like especially if you're trying to volunteer or like you're trying to be active. You know, these days it's a little easier because you're on social media and everyone around you you can talk to easier.
3: Yeah.
4: Um. But like, we really embrace this whole idea of like interpersonal communication being critical like during the amendment 64 campaign we started a whole side campaign called talk it up colorado and it was entirely based on just like getting people opportunities to start conversations with their families and their friends and their colleagues and like it was called talk it up as in like to older people in particular like your mom is you know maybe on the fence about this like there is no person not me not Steve not Evan or Scott like mm-hmm. no one can convince your mom to come down on the side of this more than you. Yeah. You're their child like you need to have a conversation with them about why you care about this. It may be uncomfortable, but like that will change that mom's mind. And so like we created that whole campaign around that, and then we did it again in Nevada and Massachusetts and Maine and all these other states where we passed these other initiatives. Um, but like that is, um, and that's something I'm doing, I'm working with some women in Florida right now on an, a whole women's-led like led effort all around, just changing the way people think by Forcing people to have these discussions with the people closest to them. Well, I mean, I had listened to a podcast where they said, you know,
2: cannabis and LGBTQ, you know, stuff has moved so much quicker just because when you talk about it and when you're open about it, it's like, oh, I know that person. Oh, that's. Dave he's been my neighbor for years he smokes weed mm-hmm. and he's cool and never has any disturbances and is the greatest neighbor so once you meet people and know people who are just you know breaking down those stereotypes and educating you on what it really is is that's how change seems to happen the quickest and yeah yeah
4: That's amazing.
2: I made a lot of flyers.
4: I don't fancy any of them being compelling enough to change someone's mind on their own.
2: (laughs) Flyers help.
3: You guys, thank you so much for your
4: time. It also helps to have a rapper.
3: (laughs) Uh, No no doubt, indeed. People love rhymes. Uh, They They can think think better when they rhyme. Thank you so much, fellas. Uh, We may be back in touch to do Zoom just to take up more of your time because Mm -hmm. it's... You're so knowledgeable and so inspiring, and I really can't thank you guys enough.
1: That's all.
2: Did you learn a lot? It, on the third lesson of it now, I've learned even more each time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just good. the passion of these guys to want to take the world and change it, change it for the better. It's like, I'm sold. They, Mason.
3: He has that thing that a few people I've met over my life have where they're like, they could call me at any time and be like, yeah, I need you to, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll be there, whatever, whatever you need. Yeah. Like he had that vibe immediately where I was like, who's this motherfucker? Um, and then when he started talking, I was like, All right. he had a vibe, uh, just that kind of, I've thought this through so I think I know what you're going to say and then you said you're going to say that and then it's just that I think I related to him too because of doing uh, student government stuff that Mm. kind of stuff that kind of debate kind of understanding Robert rules of order because if you've you know if you can speak well at all that's what any high school is going to be like here you should go do do some of this stuff do some of this stuff but it is like i am thankful i understand how it works because i've been watch politics and then understand be like oh it is i thought it might be that simple and it is
2: well that's the whole thing is he's so accessible like for me right now this portion of the season's reminding me of when i first got into stand-up hear me out but when i first got into stand-up i was like how do you even do that how do you do that all that i knew about was dave chappelle richard Pryor, those type of people but you don't know about the open micers and those type of people and like how the work is done the rogue comics and everything like that these are the dudes getting it done sure there'll be guys on c-span you know that are talking heads and stuff like that but these are the workhorses who are changing the things for the better who are putting in the time and the effort and you know they're just they're intelligent dudes who look just like you and me who just decide to go and change the world so anybody could fucking do it and they did and you guys
3: can too go change the world in your illegal states just go Just go say why to the people that are making the rules just go ask them why because that's basically what they, they mean just listen to their process but that is in essence what they did was just like, what why is this and then (laughs) you ask it enough people are like you know what yeah that is why do we do that Uh, why it's yeah so you guys and we're still learning and growing on the patreon it is we're having fun you guys thanks for helping us build this we're about to uh start to better Ah, things are cool things are happening you guys i don't want to spoil <laughs> things but we're just learning growing and we can't do it without you guys it's been really cool it's just going to keep getting better we're excited about the future things are falling into place and it's only been a year so thank you guys keep telling your friends uh follow us on instagram and twitter grown Local pod or hit us up if you want us. if you got ads or, you know, you got a cannabis adjacent or cannabis business. That's who our fans are, you guys. So maybe hit us up, pod at gmail.com. Uh, Mike, you got anything? No, nothing.
4: <laughs>
2: uh, grow your own. We love you guys. Love you guys.